Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You know, you want to be efficient. You want to be explosive. It's hard to be both. That being said, however... You need to create explosive plays. If you look at and you study the game, that's when you look at scoring points. Usually, a scoring drive has baked into it a, an explosive run or an explosive pass. I understand that. We understand that. And that's part of us moving forward as we look at our roster and we look at player acquisition, something that we need to take a hard look at. Buffalo Bills head coach Sean McDermott there during his end-of-season press conference talking explosive plays and the Bills' lack thereof. Especially towards the end of the season, I think I, I think it was they completed 17 passes on Sunday behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage. I mean, just they were not moving the ball downfield at all. And even when they were able to go deep, uh, Diggs doesn't come down with a catch, and Sherfield I think didn't come down with two of them. It's just they really ran into a big problem skill position wise of just guys not able to make plays near the end of the season. It just, it, it really did catch them by the end that they kind of kept going discount shopping at wide receiver. Again, I was somebody, I was huge in Sherfield and Hardy. I thought they were going to be big-time players. I probably would have made the exact same mistake Bean did. But the problem was they didn't really leave them any kind of backup plan because they had n- never really gone to the draft for wide receivers. They really, really hadn't. I mean, Josh, we were looking at it. In their past few drafts, 2023 is kind of the first time they had really did all, gone to offense in the first few rounds, Kincaid goes in the first round, then they go Cyrus Torrance in the second, and then in the fifth they go Justin Shorter. But before that, you know, 2022, they draft a running back in round two in James Cook. He's turned out pretty good, more for running game than passing game. I'm, I'm very leery, leery about him being a consistent pass catcher. And then Shakir in the fifth as a wide receiver. And then the ne- and then the draft before that, yeah, you get Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle in rounds three and five, but the next ride, the only receiver you take there, only skill position player you take, is Marquez Stevenson in the sixth round. I think he basically didn't play receiver his rookie year. Mm-hmm. I don't even think he really got on the field all that much. 2020, that's Gabe Davis's year, fourth round. And then 2019, Singletary and Knox. Singletary's not on this roster anymore. And, I mean, Knox, but kind of already feels like that's yeah, have you, in a weird Have you situation. already replaced him? Yeah, that already kind of feels like you're in a weird situation where your better tight end is maybe not going to be able to get playing time, or just the fact that you're kind of wasting cap space with having Knox on the team. Another one that we kind of glossed over in 2020, Isaiah Hodgins. And he's gone now, too. But Hod- Hodgins is gone now, too. I, I mean, he's also, it's not really like a, oh, my God, that's a big loss. No, he, but, he, had, he had a run last year. Yeah. Did not really do much this year at all. He's about a 340-yard guy. But he's also with Daniel Jones. like Well, Daniel Jones and Tyrod <laughs> Taylor, yeah. But there was really no other receivers to throw to, and he still wasn't doing that's, a ton. Yeah. So right. I, mm, Hodgins, I get why people were upset at the beginning because he was having such a run with the Giants. Mm-hmm. It, he didn't ultimately turn into really anything all that special. A solid player, but nothing great. Let's go back to the phones. We've got Walter in Toronto on the line. Walter, how are we doing this morning? Hey, gentlemen. Good to hear from you on a Friday. I, I like listening to you guys on Saturday. I uh, I just wanted to comment. I was telling your screener, listening to, to McDermott and Bean the other day, it was the most maddening thing, you know, uh, I, uh, 
I'm hearing explosive plays. And yet, what's their philosophy been? They've had Josh Allen for six years, arguably the best arm in the league. You want to give this guy downfield threat. I mean, even Marino had the two marks. And, and I go back to Tariq Hill was on the market. And what did they decide to do? They gave $120 million to an aging you know, pass rusher who had a good Super Bowl because they were that double team Arnold, you know. And then, and then you look at the uh, tight end situation. You know, I, I love Kim Cade, but you pick him up in the first round. Why didn't you give uh, Dawson Knox the big deal? If, you, if you're looking at another tight end, and then they change their philosophy and, and put, them, put the two tight ends in. And, you know, and then Allen's throwing behind the line of scrimmage. This guy's a Ferrari. Give him the downfield threat, starting with Tariq Hill. That's, that, they could have picked him up. I know he's a bit of a head case off the field. Uh, I, I, yeah, Walter, I, I, I get your point. Thanks for the call. They're not getting Hill. They had to trade for him. And it, it, at the time he was being a trade target, the Bills were the Chiefs' biggest rival. Why in God's name would the Chiefs trade him there? It was also a lot. Like the trade. It was a lot, yeah, but like, but they traded him to a Miami team who was kind of ascending, but not really, mm-hmm. or the Jets. Those were the two options right away. They yeah. were not going to trade for Tyreek Hill because the Chiefs would have literally bankrupted them if they even would have picked up the phone. <laughs> that wouldn't happen. In terms of changing philosophy, I agree. A, a lot of this offseason leading into this season and then the season was very awkward. But for the most part, the Bills have been very pass-heavy. They've been very pass-first, mm-hmm. which is why it was always kind of weird that McDermott was a defensive guy but was willing to do that. Now they lose Dable, and then it kind of shifted and felt a little uncomfortable and that they weren't the same offense. I take a lot of that to they never really replaced a lot of the receivers they lost and Ken Dorsey not being a great offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. I think by the time they brought in Joe Brady to make the switch, I think they realized too late, it was in the middle of the season, they didn't have the personnel to run the offense they actually really did want to, being pass first. Because again, they want Allen to run less. I think they just want him to be a guy that could run when he needed to, but would throw from the pocket often. They still want to be pass first. Again, Mahomes doesn't run too much at all either. He runs when he has to. And when he does, it ends up being you know very, very effective for Kansas City. I think that's ultimately what they wanted. It's not what they got, and a lot of it is due, I think, to the personnel. They just whiffed really bad on free agent classes. And now, as you've heard, I mean... Bean was pretty open about it. They can't just throw $2 million at the guy and go, oh, I hope he works out. <laughs> he has to hit. They don't have the cap space anymore, which is why as well you heard Bean talking about how rookies are probably going to have to play a major factor now. That was music to my ears, Josh. Yeah, as much right. as I've loved the veterans, you're seeing rookies hit right away now. College football and NFL football have never been more in sync than they are now in terms of being able to make that transition. And you I mean. You saw how good it worked for teams like Detroit, where they brought in Laporta, Jameer Gibbs, and Jack Campbell. All three of them have played massive roles on Detroit, being 12-5, and and really should have been 13-4, and by the way, mm-hmm. and going to the NFC Championship. They've played massive roles. Hearing McDermott get almost giddy talking about his two offensive rookies in Kincaid and Osiris Torrance and how well they played does give me hope. They're learning, albeit slowly, but they are learning that you can trust the rookies. Now, with that being said, they're going to have to anyways. They're losing a ton of their depth pieces and, and, and older pieces that they had for years to kind of rely on. 
a lot of those guys are gone. They're going to have to rely on them, and we're getting we're getting closer with Diggs as well. I don't know what happened with Diggs, but the fact that Bean didn't outright say that he had an injury or anything like that, instead went to defending him and kind of saying like, in his mind, he's still a one, and and you know they're going to go back to the film room. That concerned me in terms of Diggs's longevity here. That concerned me, which means like you have to nail this. You have to go back to that well because I do agree with Walter. Allen's a Ferrari. Get him downfield weapons. Have him throwing deep. Yes, you want your 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 safety blankets, the Khalil Shakirs of the world, the Dalton Kincaids of the world. I think that's perfect. But you need those outside threats. What has still made Kansas City so lethal is that Travis Kelsey is still, not as often, but still the best receiving tight end of all time. That is what allowed them to, to beat the Bills on Sunday. Also, you know, what was it? Marquez Valdez Scantling making like one of his better catches of his career, even though he has drop <laughs> issues all year. That was wonderful. But they still had that guy. The Bills' guy didn't show up. He didn't make the big catch. Mm-hmm. There was eight minutes left in the game. I don't want to make it sound like that was like the end all be all. Yeah, but, but had he made that catch, but also had Sherfield made two catches. Mm-hmm. Like the th- dynamic of the game changes. Yeah, exactly. And, but and you didn't have those guys. The one thing I want to say about Brandon Bean in in, in his defense. He knows how to draft late round. Like he knows how to let draft in late. Out of the draft. park. Out of the park. Like Dane. I'm looking. I'm looking at you know 2020 forward seventh round pick Dane Jackson is probably one of the more important pieces of the Bills secondary mm-hmm. when especially when guys are hurt. Then you go to the next year. That one wasn't as great, but you still get great value out of Spencer Brown in the third round. Mm-hmm. So you have something there. I mean, and Terrell then, Bernard in the third round. Yep, you Kalish go to Shun, in 2022. The Christian Kalish Benford Kier. in the sixth. Even Balen Spector, he played a role. Balen Spector still on the roster. I mean, yeah. like, as a seventh round pick, him just still being on the roster is a big move for them as well. And you go back to this last year, Dorian Williams and Osiris Torrance and Justin Shorter. I mean, sure, you don't really know what you're going to get out of Justin Shorter yet because he hasn't played any any games. And Dorian Williams had his little. Spot, I wish I wish we saw more of him. I, I do too. But Osiris Torrance has been fantastic for the offensive line. Mm-hmm. He was probably one of the better pieces on that offensive line. Kind of helped Spencer Brown become what he was his rookie year. Spencer yeah. Brown has been struggling since his rookie year, partially because of an injury. But now you have Osiris Torrance coming all of a sudden on his left. And, oh, look, the Bills offensive line stayed together all season. It was good. And they barely let Allen get sacked. How many times has Allen sacked this year? Like what? I was not. Four? He was not sacked very much. Like, yeah, he maybe, was maybe the lowest in the league. I, I, I don't. But I mean, I, like that was the thing. That was a big part of their success. Also, running the ball was they had the same offensive line all year, and they're going to try to keep it going this year. I, I know Mitch Morris initially was kind of thought to be maybe a guy that was going to retire. Maybe they cut him to save money. It sounds like they want to bring him back for that last year on his contract. Maybe extend him another year to kind of you know spread out the cap. But they want to keep that together. It's. That has been one of the, the shining moments of this Bills season throughout the season was that the O-line was very good and stayed together all year. Real, real quick, Allen, Allen was sacked 24 times. 24 times. So, it's still uh, one of four, the lower numbers. Four, four was a very aggressive number yeah. for me. I did not actually mean four times. I was just throwing out a low number because it felt low. But it felt com- right. Last year, he was sacked 33 times. Yeah. So, and, and like, you look back, you know, this is the lowest number of sacks against him in a season. In 24. Yeah, in 2019, he was sacked is, yeah. 38 times. Big part of that was he had the same offensive line, and they were all working together. And they were all This was Deion Dawkins' best year as a pro. Yeah. He finally looked like he was back to being the guy that was in 2019. I mean, he had he dealt a pretty bad sickness in 2020, and now it finally is like, all right, he's not dealing with injuries, he's not dealing with anything. Boom, this is the guy. 
Deion Dawkins looked very, very good. Let's go back to the phones before we take our next time out. Let's go to Jerry in Kenmore. Jerry, how are we doing today? Hey, good morning, guys, or afternoon, or whatever it is. Um, Yeah, one of the things I'm not sold on is I get that we think James Cook is an upgrade. You know who else had good years? Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Running the ball is about commitment, scheme, and less about personnel than any position in the league, unless you have CMC or Jamar Gibbs. Um, the receiver core is the is – the, try to think of a receiver core that we wouldn't trade our entire core for in the league. We are in the bottom 20% for sure, and the aging digs doesn't help. Think about the crew that was here before and how they were veterans and Sanders and Beasley and Brown. And you added these pieces that bad teams and the Saints and the Dolphins didn't want and thought they were going to work out. That's not how you build a team. And it's easy to flip. Think about what Green Bay has done. They have four very good Mm homegrown wide receivers now and two very good homegrown tight ends. And they did it in two years because – Supposedly, the, 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 the reason Rodgers left is they weren't giving him weapons. Is there a bigger upside offensively than the Green Bay Packers right now? Oh, I, maybe even team-wise, Jerry. I mean, like, like and, and thanks for the call. Green Bay, I, that is a perfect example, and he's right. They did it in two years, and Josh, they barely drafted guys in the first round. They're not even doing necessarily what I want, which is to go get a big guy in the first round. They've just drafted everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jaden Reed and... Christian Watson, both second-round picks, and they were both big factors this year. And, Jay- and Watson wouldn't even get to see a full like compliment because he was yeah. injured much of the year. Right, and even even a guy, Dontavion Wicks. Romeo Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs. Dontavion I mean, Wicks is a fifth-round rookie, and he has four touchdowns, 581 yards, and 39 receptions this year. What Green Bay decided to do, and I think it's absolutely brilliant, is just go get good wide receivers. Mm-hmm. I don't care what their measurables necessarily are. Are they fast? Can they separate? Are they willing to work? And now it has made Green Bay, I think, one of the most dangerous young teams in all of football. They didn't think they were going to make the playoffs this year, Josh. That's why they traded Rasul Douglas to the Bills. They thought they were done. Which, and then to be honest, Love, it's hilarious. It, it's funny. <laughs> Objectively, it's funny now. But like, but then a switch flipped in Love's mind. Because I, I don't know how much you watched of him this year. He mm-hmm. had a good, solid game, I think, week one and two. Had a rough stretch there. And then the middle of the year on... Dynamite! You can literally see it. When Dynamite! You, when you look at his stats, mm-hmm. you can you can see what what happened because you're going from, you know, 150 yards, 182, 180, barely cracking 200, yep. not getting over 250, and then all of a sudden around, let's see, like mid November, you start to see him creep up towards 300, then you see a 300 yard game. He has one interception from November 19th to the end of the season, and it was against the Giants in a loss. Is one interception in that in that span, but also in that span, he's got like fifteen touchdowns. He had eighteen. Eighteen. He had eighteen. Wow. Eighteen and one, and along with that, throughout like the last like three months of the season, he had a different leading receiver each each month. It was absurd what Green Bay was each doing. Each month or each game. Each month, oh, they had okay. a leading receiver different for each month of the final three months of the season. It was absurd what they were doing. And it, it, to me, it showed how good Matt LaFleur is as a head coach. I want to talk a little bit more on that strategy after a quick timeout. If you want to join us and give your thoughts on what you want to see the Bills do this offseason, you can do so at 803-0550. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt filling in here on the Extra Point Show, and you're listening to WGR.